I V M. Welcome to All Things Policy, a daily podcast supported by Pragati, a flagship media initiative of the Takshashila Institution. We're a bunch of policy nerds based in Bengaluru, and we like to bring a fresh perspective to Indian affairs and an Indian perspective to global affairs. So grab a cup of coffee, sit back, and join us for today's chat. Hello and welcome to another episode of All Things Policy. I'm Harshit Kukreja. I'm a physician. And I'm currently working as a research analyst in Takshashila. Our guest for today's episode is Shrey Khanna, who is my colleague. He's a doctorate and he owns a park restaurant. That is a restaurant with a park. So how's it going, Shrey? Well, it's going good. The corona is phasing out, it seems. But you'll know better about that. But yeah, it's going steady right now. Yeah, the third wave is in decline. Hopefully, we are in a better position now. So, for today's episode, we'll be talking about a report released by the Lancet Commission. Lancet is the world's oldest and the most prestigious medical journal. So, they have released the report on the value of death. The fundamental idea uh, behind that report is that we have over-medicated death and we now cause what they call an, as an elongation of dying. It says that how death has shifted from being a social community event to a hospital, healthcare, hospice-centric event. The report raises a few questions that are important for us as policy wonks and as a society as a whole to ponder on so that we can create a better tomorrow where people, where citizens lead a good life and have a good death. So, Shrey, do you think this is the case? Do you think now we push people to horrific deaths which we elongate without any benefits in which they meet their end lonely in a hospital bed connected to machines, unable to speak, unable to spend time with their loved ones, the last moments, how they would like to spend and also while making their loved ones, family, friends unable to grieve properly. What are your views on this? Do you think we are doing this? We are over-medicalizing death. Harshid, I think we have started to increase in hospitalization and all the emphasis on kind of delaying the process of death, which is kind of a natural process. Everything that everything that lives, dies. And if you read the report, the report mentions that this thing that, you know, with this improvement in medical science, what has happened is that death continues to be you know, it continues to be delayed, it continues to be fought. It is not something which you embrace, which you try to, you know, embrace the concept of. But rather than doing that, what happens is that even the terminally ill patients, they are, you know, they are kept alive and all sort of, you know, those inclusions in their body, they are, they are done for keeping them alive. And as opposed to this, People who really uh, need that intervention, that medical intervention, or may not and are not likely to get that intervention, they they are suffering. And for example, this reported quotes that it says that global life expectancy it has risen over the years from 67 in 2000 to around 73.5 in 2019. 
but even though this global life expectancy has risen, but at the same time, you know, if you see that report, it also says that life expectancy, you know, among the disadvantaged community, it is uh, the, the deprived neighborhoods in UK or in US, it is coming down at the same time. So those who need that care, that medical care, it is likely that they are not getting that sort of care. On the one hand, when we see that people who have, you know, larger resources to spend, they can then keep on fighting this death even when death is coming sooner or later. Yeah, I totally agree with you. A lot of people who need medical resources are being deprived and a lot of rich people, a lot of people who have resources or a lot of countries who have resources are able to provide healthcare to an extent that some people would consider wasteful that the money, the resources invested in all, in on elongated maybe uh, life by a week, a month, two months is not worth it and that could have been spent elsewhere. I think that is the case with everything. The inequality, the access to resources that is not specific to healthcare, that is present everywhere. And on the point that, yeah, everybody dies, whoever has been born has to die. And uh, that is the truth. But I don't think it is a bad thing to aspire to fight death. Why, why couldn't we as a species, as a society, think of a utopia instead of going towards a place where we do not, we accept death? Why don't we think of a utopia where we think if we move towards immortality or maybe where our life expectancy goes hundreds of years or maybe thousands of years where we are able to fight off a lot of diseases where only death which comes to the person sometime in far, far future with the only death that comes to the person is when he wills to die, when he is willing to die instead of when whatever powers they are and they decide whatever chance, whatever random chance you have and then you die. So I think if it was up to me, if I was maybe sick, if I was maybe even terminally, terminally ill, I would want to fight it to the last. I would want to go down fighting. I want to grab every chance there is. I want to elongate and get all the juice I can out of life. Except for a minority of terminally ill patients, at least in India, I don't think this is a very big issue. Yeah, the raw report quotes that in India, this is a rising phenomena. But right now in India, this is not a very big issue. And you cannot like take healthcare from the rich countries and it's not a resource that you can pick up and throw somewhere in Bihar and the life expectancy will rise. So being that, yeah, the inequality is rising. But Harshad, mm. this rise in incommunicable diseases and the death from them, it's like a pan-India uh, phenomena right now. We see increase in obesity, diabetes and other you know, diseases. And if one was to, one were to apportionate kind of resources to, you know, save a well-fed person who has lived his life and as opposed to, you know, 
other people who are suffering from other non-communicable diseases, not just diabetes. So don't you think that there has to be, you know, a cost-benefit uh, analysis to this in which we can give resources according to this principle? Yes. So two things I want to say about this. So the first thing is in ICUs, in intensive care units, wherever the person who is chosen that he will go to the ICU, he'll get a bed in ICU is the one who has, who is mostly young, has a disease which is reversible and has a chance of surviving. So this is already done. And the second thing is, if suppose I'm about to die, so the money, the resources I have amassed, that is of no use to me after I die. So I should be able to use them even if I get, maybe I get an hour of life, even if for two crores, I pay two crores for some drug and I get one more hour of my life. So at least for me, that would be the cost benefit analysis would be still good. I'll be still in the green zone because that money is of no use for me. From a government perception, yeah, we could say that. But if... Arshad, uh, Arshad, before you come to the government, I just want to ask you, you talked about uh, utopia, uh, about utopia, right? Hmm. So uh, this situation that you are talking about, is this a utopia? So what kind of uh, you conceptualize, when you conceptualize utopia, you consider this situation, what is going on with you in this fictional world? Is this part of utopia or you know, is this an uh, exception? Do you think such sort of activity happen in a, in a new, uh, so you're talking about the two crores for one hour thing uh, or, yeah, right so that so that is i don't think utopia would be so expensive <laughs> a utopian uh viewpoint that is what we have to think as a society but from my individual viewpoint i would want i would want to die at my own choosing at my own time and at my own place if if I have to die at some random time, at some random place, so that is not a utopia. I want to be able to choose my place of dying and I want to live my life how I want and I want to die however I want to. So that is the vision of utopia where you live thousands of years and when you get tired of living, then you die. So that you, you take a pill and you die. Somewhere about that. But yeah. is that utopia? Is that utopia or gambling? That you know you are uh, squandering your money for for hope of you know having some more days in your life, and even though you know that those days are going to end as well, and you may not be able to prolong your life indefinitely. You see, like that, you'd say that as so, part of personal so, utopia. So, Shrey, you are in a. Have you ever been to those game parlors which give out tickets? Right? You you win a game, you get, get tickets or from which you can buy a gift, a toy, a pen or something. Right. Yeah. So what happens is you get maybe 20 tickets and if you don't use your tickets and you go outside the video parlor, video store, game store, whatever you call that, when you go out, those are worthless. So when I die, my resources, my money, whatever I have amassed is useless to me because I'm dead. So I think, yeah, it, a utopia would be where I don't have to depend on my money, where nobody has to depend on their money and everybody has access to this. But I think that is really far in the future. 
this right now would be if I'm paying money for that, that would not be a utopia. But that is how we'll move towards a utopian future. Real idealist utopian future. Yeah, maybe. Don't know. Moving on from this and going into a different, a little tangential. So I'll tell you a story. It's a horrific story, but it's, it is important. We discuss this. We discuss these things which are not very, which are very horrific, which happens with bad things that happen to good people. We, we discuss that. We discuss dying so that we can make policies. We can make a society which is better. So there was a nurse in Bombay. She was named Aruna. She was molested by the sweeper in the hospital. This is 1973. She got sick. She was put on life support. And from 1973 to 2015, she was in permanent vegetative state. Somebody, a journalist, went to the court and said that I want to be able to withdraw care, switch off the ventilator and let her go peacefully. But the court decided that they would not allow it because the staff and the nurses and the doctors at the hospital were very insistent that they will continue taking care of Aruna till she dies a natural death. So after this term of passive euthanasia, withdrawing care came into public discourse. The Supreme Court laid down two guidelines. They said that the first is somebody can take a decision to discontinue life support. It could be parents, spouses, relatives, or somebody active, acting as the friend of that person. The second is this. If the decision is taken, the person should either be on life support and the uh, support can, and the ventilator can be just be switched off or he or she or they are in permanent vegetative state and you withdraw a nutrition, you give opioids, you give analgesics and they can die. So when we are talking about not elongating death, in India, these guidelines were formed. This is 2018. And even after that, there are a lot of formalities. It's a very murky ground. A lot of people don't want to do it. So what happens is the medical team and the family, they discuss and they withdraw life support behind closed doors. The paperwork does not show that life support was withdrawn. The paperwork shows that the person died a peaceful death. So even if you want to, and this is when you have cooperative medical team and when all the relatives which are taking care are in sync and everybody wants to withdraw support because anybody can go to court and put the accusation on the hospital, on the relatives that they had withdrawn support without taking permission or without going through the due process. So even if you want to withdraw care or you want to undergo what we call passive euthanasia, it is very difficult in India and there are a lot of legal hurdles you have to cross. There are a lot of regulatory hurdles you have to cross. So even if you want to die, even if you don't want to elongate your life, even if you are terminally ill, it is not possible. It is not very easy to die. So yeah, so if you are in a situation where you have to decide for somebody that they're in a permanent vegetative state and they have communicated earlier that they want, if they reach this state, they're in a terminal illness and they, if they reach this state, they want to die. But you communicate with the medical team, you consent to withdrawing 
support and but there is a risk that maybe that person's brother uh, will go to court if you pull the plug and will put the blame on you so will you go ahead with it no obviously i won't because as you said already that you know in such cases what is important is that everyone should be on the same page when this is happening and if that is not the case then there is no point moving ahead with it and in this circumstance then it will again prolong that the pain but even with that i don't see how without everyone on the same page how we can move ahead with it okay so yeah that was not an answer i expected from you but that's all right so listeners why why do why do you think i will pick trouble every time <laughs> no i thought that uh, you would lean more on the side of the wishes of your friend or of your relative and maybe fight yeah maybe i don't know i, I just thought that was a thought that crossed my mind so listeners yeah, I, i mean i will fight i mean uh, you did not ask me you know whether i will fight or not you asked you asked me whether i would uh, go ahead on my own with euthanizing i will fight for their right you know to end their life uh, i will surely fight for it and i'll make that case that you know if condition is such that life has no meaning so in that case you know i will convince the other people the family that letting them go is the better way but as far as pulling the plug on my own i won't be doing that because it's not only my decision to take it's, it has to be the family decision and everyone has to be on the same page as you said yeah that's a fair answer so uh, listeners we'll take a short break we'll give you this time to think about this and we'll be back with you soon Hello and welcome back to All Things Policy. We'll pick up from where we left. We were talking about passive euthanasia. We we were talking about assisted dying. We were talking about pulling the plug. So we'll now talk about some unintended consequences if we legalize euthanasia, assisted dying. What as a society we'll have to think about. What as policymakers, not government officials, as people working in the sector, we have to think about. we have to contemplate and we have to decide so when does someone want to die so a normal person who at that time is in a normal state of mind doesn't want to die they are depressed depressed people are more likely to have societal or they don't want to continue their life you may be depressed because of some terminal illness you, you may have some kind of depression you may be depressed or because of stress circumstances then is when you will think about dying so if we don't allow people of uh, without full mental capacity with out and without a sound mind to enter into legal contracts to get into binding contracts why should we allow people who are depressed who are feeling low who are not able to i'm not able to think at a normal level at a average level of what people think to decide that they want to drive so stray can you come in on this what are your thoughts should we or shouldn't we that's a complicated question uh, what that is why i asked it? you that so you acha uno reverse eh so my views are i i think assisted dying or euthanasia should be allowed 
to a very small set of people who are who are basically on life support or who are in the permit vegetative state but they should not be allowed for people who are who have a good life expectancy and who have maybe the quality of life is not that good uh, they should be allowed to they should be helped out and possible ways should be uh, taken possibly measures should be taken interventions should be done that help them in increasing their quality of life that help them in becoming more basically happy yeah yeah and you know the associated question with this is whether state should have a role in allowing people to commit suicide right yeah so that that is the associated question so yeah i think you are right about that we should not allow people to you know die needlessly and i am saying needlessly in a contextual uh, way because the thing is that dying is like a permanent act right you cannot reverse it so to take that permanent step it it has to be you know uh, and uh, your death does not only belongs to you even if we go by the report the lancet commission report uh, it says that you know dying is like it's a process a process of death the system of death that it that it talks about and it also impacts the people the impact people around you your family your friends and even if they don't get to dictate uh, your life choices but they are in a position to give you some kind of comfort but now as you said that if people have depression and now that again is uh, kind of uh, uncharted territory for me you are you as a medical doctor uh, will be you know in a better position to comment on that that how should those people be treated but i can only talk about in general principle terms yeah so one interesting point it would be very interesting if you could be like undead or if you could respawn that would be very fun you die and then you get back and you're like yeah i still have eight lives that would be fun but on a more serious note yeah we do have to contemplate on these questions we do have to consider what we think is not an acceptable way of living we have to consider but what should, we should, hmm. one thing one thing this one thing why do you want to have like someone will have uh, would uh, you know want to have eight lives i think you know life is full of uh, good us at miseries it's all around that suffering is all around why why would you want to live that again and again and again what's so uh, i mean what's so uh, charming about that so so because my life is fun and i don't want it to end i, I want to uh, give it nine tries on seven continents one on mars and one on some other solar system that is nine got it. got it i've thought about it i've uh, i've uh, written instructions in my will so this was this is how it goes and this is how it will be done <laughs> yeah so we'll have to think how uh, what people we allow what kind of life do we think is not worth living that is a very loaded question and that is we'll have to contemplate on that and we'll have to see make a framework decide and then we'll be able to get rational laws which are logical and which respect personal choice and liberty and still give you a chance let modern medicine do its medical and 
maybe give you a chance to consider not dying. Right. Yeah. So one more interesting sort of unintended consequence, ethical dilemma, dilemma we had. So do you think people who undergo assisted dying should be allowed to donate organs? Yeah, I think they should be allowed. Why not? Do you think any reason for not allowing people to donate their organs? I mean, I don't see any uh, wrong with that. Uh, whether it's a normal process, what is there, or whether through assisted dying. Only problem that can be is, when I think about it now, is that of that, you know, black marketing that can happen. You can find people and do all sorts of things with them and then claim assisting, assisted dying and then you can harvest those organs. So I think, yeah, that, that would be one problem that may come up. What do you think about it? Yeah, yeah, that is a major issue. So, in a hospital, you go for a liver transplant. And there are a few people who are brain dead, who are in a vegetative state in the ICU. And you take their samples, you get HLA matching. And then what you do is you offer money to a person, A's family. You give them, they are a somewhat a below, maybe they are rich, poor, whatever. You offer them some money and you say he is already in a vegetative state. And you also offer you bribe the doctor and you make the doctor say that uh, there are no chances of him surviving. He would die in maybe a week or 10 days. It would be better if you undergo passive euthanasia and uh, you will pay the family so that they agree to this and then you get the level. So this is what I see happening very soon. Right. If, even when I thought about it, this seems to be that this can be a, a problem so yeah, that is uh, yeah. One thing that is that would be a very pro that would be very beneficial because of uh, legalization of passive euthanasia, assisted dying. Uh, that would be palliative care. So in India, palliative care is very out of reach for a lot of people. When you are about to die, uh, Arshad, what is so palliative care is basically reduction of your misery, basically reduction of your pain. So if you are a terminally ill patient and no intervention is you and your medical team, you and your family sit around and you conclude that no intervention would be able to elongate your life or provide a good quality, good six months, good three months. You go for palliative care in which you are given opioids, you are given supportive measures so that whatever time you are left, you can spend that time out of misery. So palliative care can also be taken as withholding uh, care or palliative care can also be taken as some kind of euthanasia. So it would be very beneficial for the palliative care uh, system we have. It would be out of the legal mumbo-jumbo. It would be out of societal taboo be or because of uh, euthanasia thing going. It would be quite beneficial for that. So, Shrey, it was a very informative session. It was a very good discussion. Really appreciate your insights. Do you have any concluding comments, any questions, anything, you, any statements you want to make? The one thing that I said that everything that lives, you know, dies. There's also other side of it, is that uh, uh, not everything lives. You know, 
not everyone lives. So it's better, uh, it's best to, you know, live that life that you have got and then to worry about the death and what is going to happen with you. That's how, how, I, think, how I think about it. Thank you for the wisdom and thanks to the listeners for listening to us. Stay tuned for the next episode of ATP. Bye-bye. If you liked our show, don't forget to check out other interesting podcasts on the IVM network. You can tune into them on the IVM podcast app, ivmpodcast.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can also follow IVM on social media. The handle is at IVM Podcasts on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. And hey, if you'd like to dive into Takshashila's research on technology, strategy and economic affairs, check us out at our Twitter handle at Takshashila INST or our website takshashila.org.in.